There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Fangirl Zone. And welcome back to our first episode of Sci-Fi Talk. Where it's a podcast where we're discussing everything on the Sci-Fi Channel because we love it. I'm Sean Fangirless, and joining me today, I'm Steve. And hopefully, Steve will be joining me on all of these episodes. <laughs> we are loving Sci-Fi right now. I feel like they found their niche again. Yeah, it is um, part of the reason why we wanted to do this podcast is because of Sci-Fi's. Uh, return to their roots of uh, producing great sci-fi shows. And um, over the last year, sci-fi has released new shows like Dark Matter, Killjoys, 12 Monkeys, The Expanse, and limited-run shows Ascension and Childhood's End. It's been crazy. I have been a huge sci-fi fan. Um, I watched the original Star Trek. I've just time-wise, I was more into Next Generation. Understandable. And <laughs> loving Doctor Who since I caught it on Channel 11, way back with uh, Tom Baker mm-hmm. in that crazy scarf. So, you know, hooked me when I was a little kid. Uh, let me see. Sci-Fi actually launched back in September of 1992, which seems like so long ago. Yes, it does. <laughs> like i don't even remember everything i know they didn't have that many programs back then it was a lot of stuff on repeat a lot of star trek which star trek plays a lot now actually star trek plays more on bbc but it's amazing some of the shows that they've had on there what are what are some of the things that you've enjoyed well of course the one of the very first um programs they picked up because it started out on uh, Showtime was Stargate. I didn't realize that started out on Showtime. Yes. I just feel like it's always been there. (laughs) And what other ones have you really been like from the the original launches? Farscape (laughs) and Andromeda, Eureka, the reimagining of Battlestar Galactica, Sanctuary, Warehouse 13, and Continuum. So, oh, well, there's a couple there that you and I have talked about. Ad <laughs> yes. And, of course, we've talked to, well, I had a chance to talk to Eddie McClintock with Warehouse 13. Love Eddie. He's awesome. Yes, he is. <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh. There's just so many shows that, that they have on, and I just really enjoy it. And... You know, I really enjoy that they're bringing back and playing more movies, too. Not just, you know, like, they had wrestling on for a long time, which I didn't really understand on the Sci-Fi Channel. So I'm really happy that they're playing these awesome, there's just, I have no words, because there's so much stuff coming out right now that I'm just like, a little kid on Christmas. How appropriate, since Christmas just happened. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, let's get into some news, Steve. All right. Well, three of the new shows that were introduced last year have been renewed for a second season, those being the awesome timey-wimey 12 <laughs> Monkeys, Dark Matter, and Killjoys. All of which have been amazing shows. Yes. If you aren't watching them, you need to binge them now (laughs) before the second season comes back. Now, unfortunately, a couple of the existing series didn't get renewed as we said goodbye to Defiance, Dominion, and Continue. That was very sad. It was very sad with Defiance. Dominion, I, I didn't watch. 
just because of my work schedule. But Domin- but defiance it makes me very very sad. Yes. <laughs> and continuum I did I did enjoy. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> now we do have a another new show that aired. They originally aired it with the premiere of Expanse, uh, entitled The Mugis, no, not <laughs> Musicians. That's a whole other show. <laughs> <laughs> yes, The Magicians. And the actual, I think, two-hour premiere is later this month, January 25th. But I watched the first hour, and I already am hooked. And I want to say that I'm loving the fact that sci-fi is bringing all of these shows to life that are books. So perhaps a book to screen it will be in order since I catch up on all these because there's so many of them that they've suddenly brought out that were books. <laughs> it's a lot of reading. But I'm up yes. for the task. Okay, uh, let me see. Brittany Olford. Olford? I feel like I'm saying her name. And I'm sorry if I'm saying your name wrong. If you're actually listening. Or if somebody's offended that I said her name wrong. I apologize. I do. I'm really bad at names. Um, she is from American Horror Story and Ravenswood. She's been cast as the female lead in Hunters, sci-fi's 13-episode straight-to-series alien drama from The Walking Dead executive producer Gail Ann Hurd, which is slated to premiere in 2016. Uh, that looks really cool. I had a chance to read a little synopsis from it. Yeah, uh, they've got the... Uh a trailer up on uh, Sci-Fi's webpage, and it does look awesome. I have chills right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She's expected to star opposite Nathan Phillips, who's been in negotiations for the male lead. So we'll see what happens with that. Stay tuned. Um, It's written by Natalie, I'm going to screw up her name, Shydez from Heroes. Okay. (laughs) And it's based on another best-selling novel. Whitley Stryver's Alien Hunter. The series chronicles the disappearance of a decorated Philadelphia police officer's wife, which leads him to a secret government unit assembled to hunt a group of ruthless terrorist shadowy figures that may or may not be from this world. Gersh Rept Olford will play Reagan, a talented and valuable government operative, and it will be premiering in April. Squee! Yes, that one looks real good. And they just seem to be get better as they go. Oh, I know. Because we're going to have Van Helsing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm, like, choking. (laughs) And it's going to be a 13-episode sci-fi series from Nomadic Pictures, which did Fargo and Hells on Wheels. Neil LeBute serves as the writer-showrunner on the drama, a new take on the Dracula myth. And being not a huge vampire fan, at first I went, eh, but after reading this, I um, changed my mind. <laughs> Van Helsing, which, of course, has started production in Vancouver. Everything's centers, in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, centers on Vanessa Helsing, the daughter of the famous vampire hunter and Dracula nemesis Abraham Van Helsing. She is resurrected five years in the future to find out that vampires have taken over the world and that she possesses unique power over them. She is humanity's last hope to lead an offensive to take back what has been lost. (laughs) Yes, it represents a new mythology in sci-fi by challenging traditional vampire rules said Chad Oaks, co-chairman of the Calgary-based Nomadic Pictures. The series is unique in exploring a world completely dominated by vampires, while the human characters have to learn the importance of working together to ensure their survival. This does sound a lot different than what I was thinking it was going to be. Yes, so it really is, does. Oh, ah. You know what? Yeah. And, and obviously not knowing a whole lot of what they're thinking, when I read the original um, I Am Legend... That's kind of what this sounds like. Yes. But it's with a strong female lead, so... I'm okay with that. Yes. (laughs) I am, too. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh, there's so much. I'm sorry, I I don't mean to cut you off. I get so excited with these things. I'm sorry, you have more to talk about with Van Helsing. Please proceed. All right, added Chris Regina, Senior VP of Programming Strategy. Sci-Fi Van Helsing reimagines a classic story in a compelling new way featuring a bold and complex heroine. Yes. <laughs> and it is produced by Nomadic Pictures. Executive producers are Chad Oaks and Mike Fresliv from Nomadic, Labute Simon Berry from Continuum, even Evan Tyler Industry Works, Dave Brown Echo Lake Entertainment, as well as Daniel March Dynamic. And, of course, Nomadic Pictures will just distribute the series within Canada, Fallout Asylum, and Dynamic Television will dis- distribute the series initial window in the United States, and Dynamic Television will distribute the series throughout the rest of the world. So it'll be on Sky in Canada and Sci-Fi Channel here in the U.S. and hopefully in many other countries. Oh, that's awesome. Ooh, I know a lot of people talk about Space Channel, and I'm not sure where that is. That's Canada. That's Canada, too. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, it's UK. What am I talking about? Oh. Um, we did fail to mention, and it, it just popped to mind, so I want to say we are saying goodbye, goodbye to another, I think it's an original program on sci-fi, which was Lost Girl. Yes, this is the final. Well, yeah, this, they said this yes, is going to be is, the final season. Yes, it is the final season of Lost Girl. So we will be saying goodbye to Lost Crew so, as well. That's been pretty cool, too, and I, I really enjoyed that series as well. There's so many series. I am loving sci-fi lately. Yeah. I just really Lost Girl got a nice five-year run. So That's nice because I know there was talk back, like, season two, they were thinking about not going on. And so the fact that they managed to do three more and it wasn't cut, you know, like, we don't know what happened. It's pretty interesting. Yes. Um, let me see. When we hear comic book turned into a television show, first thing that comes to mind, Marvel or DC. But we are pleased to say that the big two aren't part of this announcement. Winona Earp from IDW Publishing is coming to sci-fi. For those who haven't read the series, which I have not one of these people, or I am one of these people who haven't read it, and so... Now it's just another thing on my pull list. I can't handle it. <laughs> my husband's going to kill me. I'm going to be broke on comic books. Um, our female protagonist, Earp, who is a descendant of the Old West lawman Wyatt Earp, is a special agent for even more special teams within the U.S. Marshal. Instead of Marshal, sorry, instead of battling outlaws at the OK Corral, this Earp fights mummies, vampires, and zombies for the Monster Squad. <laughs> All I could think of is that old movie Monster Squad. (laughs) It's like the little girl grew up. Um, According to the press release, Winona, I don't know why I can't say her name right, is a witty and wild modern-day gunslinger using her unique abilities and a dysfunctional posse of allies to bring the paranormal to justice. Melanie, oh man, Scrofano from Damien and Gangland Undercover We'll start as uh, Winona Earp. I do not want to say her name right. I'm just going to say Earp from now on because I want to screw up her name. Tim Rosen from Being Human and Instant Star will play legendary con artist Doc Holliday, who was my favorite in all the movies, I'm just saying. And Shamir Anderson from Defiance and Constantine. (laughs) I did a Constantine podcast. Sorry, guys. Eventually, we might put that up here, too. Um, plays the mysterious Agent Dolls. Sci-Fi has ordered 13 one-hour episodes. The show produced by 724 20, Films. Oh, I wanted to flip that bad boy right there. Will be filmed in Calgary. Again, Canada. Uh, ERP is scheduled to air in April of 2016. IDW published 30 Days of Night which was turned into a movie in 2007. It also publishes comics based on existing properties such as Shaun of the Dead, Metal Gear Gear Solid, Angel, and Underworld. Um, IDW actually does a lot, and they have a lot of good comics out there. Now I'm going to have to say 30 Days of Night, when they turned that into the movie, I wasn't impressed, so I have high hopes for 
this because it's a whole different kind of concept. Yes. And again, a female lead. Sorry, that's my inner feminist. It makes me happy. (laughs) And they have several other new works in process. Um, Brave New World. Oh, yes. I had to read that in high school. Yes. (laughs) I think everybody did. So that should be interesting how they came, because I remember them having a movie based on that. And the movie just didn't, I didn't feel like it kept my attention. So I'm hoping that they go a little more along the books, which, again, they are pulling everything from books, and it just makes me happy. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are really hoping that they do well with all these books that they're putting on the screen. So far, I've heard good things, because I haven't read all these books, which are Childhood's End. I've seen the show. I've heard good things about how the book translated. Same with The Expanse so far. I don't know about The Magicians. I haven't had anybody talk to me about that one. But if they're doing so good and they're really involving these writers, I have nothing but high hopes. Yes. Yay. So, now that we've talked about all the general stuff, we're going to dive into some meat and potatoes here. Because Steve and I have been watching The Expanse. So we're going to do kind of a a recap of the first two episodes. We're going to do two episodes at a time. So everybody who hasn't caught up, I don't want to get too far ahead. But it's so awesome. (laughs) Yeah, the premise of it is 200 years in the future in a fully colonized solar system, police detective... Joseph Miller, born in the asteroid belt, is given the assignment to find a missing young woman, Julie Mao. Meanwhile, James Holden, the first officer of an ice freighter, is involved in a tragic incident that threatens to destabilize Earth, Mars, and the belt. Far away from their struggles in space, Christian Abizarala, a United Nations executive works to prevent war between Earth and Mars by any means necessary. Soon the three find out that the missing woman and the ice freighter's fate are part of a vast conspiracy that threatens all humanity. They have had, they have an awesome cast too. Yes. (laughs) Oh, I mean, this is, you have to look them up really to, to really get everybody but we have Thomas Jane, Stephen Strait, Cassie Anvar. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it. He talks to us all the time on Twitter. Thanks, Cass. Um, Dominic Tipper, Wes Chatham, which, I mean, a lot of people know Thomas Jane from Punisher. Stephen Strait took me forever. He was in Disney's um, Sky High. <laughs> I did not know. I'm looking at him going, why do I know you? I couldn't picture him. Um, Cass Anvar was in The Terminal. Uh, Wes Chatham most recently was in um, Mockingjay. So, and I love this woman, and I'm going to screw up her name so bad. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's Shore Agdashlu. And, mm-hmm. really and again, she was talking to me on online too, which is great. Um, she's been in X Men, Lake House. Oh, my gosh, she is an amazing actress. She's been in so many things. I believe she was on an episode of Elementary. Oh, yeah. Um, episode, A couple episodes of Grimm, Rosewater. She is just amazing. She's been in so many things, and she is playing such a strong character. I mean, it, it goes on and on. The, the people who are in here. Chad Coleman's making an appearance this season, too. Mm-hmm. So if you don't tune in just for the cast i mean <laughs> seriously i love it um you want a quick rundown you have space you have multiple planets you have almost war you have a little bit of nudity right off no no there yeah. you go if that doesn't get you yeah that's you get steven G. right you get steven straight's butt i'm just saying <laughs> not something they were talking about in the interviews I don't know why. <laughs> so let's go to episode one. Is the Dul- Dulcini? 
Dulcine? That's the name of the ship that I'm screwing up. <laughs> Dulcine. Dulcine, okay. Yeah, um, in the <laughs> outer solar system near Saturn, James Holden and the crew of the ice freighter Canterbury investigated distress call from a mysterious derelict ship, the Scorpily. On Circe Station, Detective Miller begins an off-the-book investigation of a missing heiress, Julie Mao. We open up with Julie Mao in what seems to be a locked room, but it turns out she's on in a locked room on a spaceship. Um, y- you don't really know what happened. You really don't, because you... you see her kind of get thrown in and you hear the lock and that's the last thing we don't know. And then you see her trying to get out. Um, which spoiler alert, she does, but <laughs> that's when she finds out something is very amiss on the ship. Yeah. Because she is, she, you know, gets into a spacesuit because there's no gravity happening. So obviously she knows something has happened. And as she, I'm kind of keeping all with Julie Mao, sorry. Um, that's Florence Favor. As she was exploring, she is finding people are dead. There's a hole in the ship. You know, oxygen is venting out. And then something that we have not seen. Because she sees it and she screams. Right. So. That's all we get of her and we go. <laughs> I know that just like what? Ah, I need her perspective. I need to know what she's seen, and it, I think that really just everything with her, and she doesn't say a word. No, that is actually what pulled me into this, which sounds really weird. <laughs> I she didn't talk. She's amazing, um, but that that sucked me in because I want to know. What the heck is going on? Yes. And then we, we, it, it's like three stories right now in this first episode because we have Julie Miles' story and then we're over on the planet Cersei's where we have Detective Miller and he, he's suddenly tasked with trying to find Julie Mao because her parents are on Luna, which yes, actually just the moon. Yes. We've colonized the moon. Um, Yes, and Mars, and it's everywhere. No, there's like four stories in this first one. I'm sorry. Because we have Julie Mao, we have Miller, and then we have, we're going to New York, where we have, oh my gosh, again, I want to screw up this name. (laughs) They gave her such a hard name. Avasalara? I probably screwed that up. Sarla. Sarla. (laughs) She's interrogating... An operative of the OPA who is a Belter militant group. I'm sorry, who they are. Yes. And they're called long bones because they've grown up with no gravity or just artificial gravity. So this, you know, we don't know what's going on. This guy is like super tall and why is he hanging on a wall? It's because he's not used to Earth's gravity. And so it's kind of torture. And it's crazy. Because that's not yeah. something you'd think about now. Mm-hmm. And apparently, this group has um, contraband stealth technology that they're trying to figure out where they got it, what they're doing with it, mm-hmm. and could this be... See, most of the time, it seems that everybody thinks it's either Earth or Mars. They're not really thinking that these other people could do anything. Or have anything, I should say. And so right away they're thinking they're just trying to start a war. Uh, (laughs) She's such an elegant woman. She is so badass. That's all I can say. Because she is, she's ruthless, but she's really polite about it. I don't know. (laughs) Does that make sense? Absolutely. Ah, oh, she's just amazing. I don't know what else to say. I mean, she she is, she gets, or she does what she needs to do to get the job done, because she, she says in later episodes, you know, Earth is my number one priority. Mm-hmm. So, oh, it just makes, yeah. it, it makes me just so happy she's such a strong character, because 
200 years in the future, I need more strong female roles. <laughs> and I'm just, and honestly, even though there's so many people in this, I think each character, like in their own situation that they're in, is is supremely strong. Yes. And And that just again, pulls you into the story. You get so sucked in. Like, I was trying to tweet. I had such a hard time trying to tweet because I get so sucked in. But nobody seems to, like, overshadow anybody else. Are you getting the same thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know a few people kind of thought the first couple episodes were a little slow because they were, you know, getting stuff set up. You kind of had to World figure out who people were. But it's really picked up a lot since then, and and we're starting to at least get not a lot of answers, but the plot's definitely moving on. (laughs) Yeah, I'm, yes, just extremely happy. So let me finish with my crazy little synopsis of episode one, because Steve's going to do episode two. Um, The ice freighter, Canterbury, hears a distress signal. from the freighter Scopuli. But of course, there's pirates in space. That of just seems weird is. to say. There's yeah. space pirates. We haven't seen any, so we don't know if they have eye patches and such. But um, it's the, the stuff that happens is kind of funny because, like, the one guy, like, they lost control of a big chunk of ice when they were bringing it in. And it, it like, chops his arm off. Yeah. And the guy, you know, the particular crew member was like, I don't want one of those ones that look just like my real thing. I want a robotic arm. I want one. I want to look cool. And I'm thinking, what? (laughs) This is what we're talking about in the future? Okay. But anyway, they hear this distress signal, thinking it's probably pirates. They don't want to answer it because obviously... You know, it, things could go south pretty quick. But Jim Holden later keeps listening to it. Like, as much as they they want to ignore it and scrub it, he's listening to it, and he hears a woman. Right. And what was it? Just help me, I believe. Yeah. Just really quiet. And something just grabbed him, and he could not let... He couldn't shake it. So he logs it, and suddenly that means they have to go on a rescue mission. So he takes his little uh, crew of, was it five? Yeah. Five people out on this, oh my gosh, I don't even know if you can call it a lifeboat. This ship was <laughs> falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> these things are like old as dirt. I don't know, from the when man first went into space, these ships are really rough. Um, they go, they find out it's empty, except for the transmitter, and they think it's really weird because... All the doors are open, so it's venting all the oxygen that's there. And it seemed to be a statement that they're doing this because they wanted people to find, you know, basically just the distress signal and nothing else. And so they figured it's a setup, so they, you know, try to hurry as best they can in zero G. Because he had taken, which seems kind of strange again, but kind of a Star Trek-esque to me, he takes the ship's engineer, Naomi Nagata, um, probably the best mechanic, Amos Burton, the pilot for the main ship, or one of the pilots, Alex Kamal, and the medic, Shed Garvey. It seems like, okay, it's a good group for him to have on his ship, but kind of a bad group to take away from the main ship. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, um, who's the red shirt? That's all I kept thinking. It's really bad. <laughs> anyway, so they try to, you know, skedaddle back. Yes, I just said skedaddle. And uh, all of a sudden, this ship comes out of nowhere because it was stealth. And again, I had my little Star Star Trek crossover there with Klingon technology. Because it comes right. out of nowhere, and it just, they're trying to hurry up and get away, thinking that, they're pirates, and they set set them up to destroy somebody, but they were actually going after the Canterbury. Right. So yeah, this they, whole thing was very, very planned out. Yeah. And they blew it up. And unfortunately, 
Holden, who was having zero-G sex with somebody, the last thing he sees is her say, I need to tell you something. (laughs) And then the ship blows up. Right. So I was freaking out. I, of course, think she was pregnant. I don't know if that was what she was going to tell him or not, because they had had an earlier discussion about maybe taking the next step, and she kind of put him off pretty pretty quickly on that point. So, uh, yeah, she had a secret that he didn't know about, and I think that was probably what she was going to tell him. Or do you think it was like, I love you? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Either way, I figured those... If she would have said either of those, it would have been very cliche. Right. So I'm... It's bad, because I'm glad she didn't get the chance to say it. She blew up first. <laughs> that sounds horrible. I'm a horrible person. That sounds absolutely awful when I say that out loud. I just didn't want it to be something just so cliche like that. I was glad we had something different. Now, of course, because the ship was a icebreaker, that's going to cause water shortages all over the place. Not only on Circe's, but it could also affect Earth and Mars as well, because apparently the... Um, Kuiper Belt is where the Circe is at and is kind of the main hub for all the uh, ice mining that is being done on Saturn's moons. That's really interesting, too, that they have, you know, these guys mining ice to take to the stations and everything. Instead of just, okay, well, we have to get water from Earth and ship it out. Because I guess it would make more sense. They can take a bigger chunk of it. Right. And, was it, not Cersei's. Um, They're always, I, I believe it said, and I could be completely wrong, that they're always basically trying to fight for control of the ice, right? <laughs> it's like... It's like Dune, you know, the spice must flow, but they have to get the exactly, ice. Exactly, exactly. Water is life. Yes, it is. Yeah. Everybody needs it. Yes. So, episode one, like like you were saying, world builder. And we're getting just getting a little taste of everybody. So, episode two goes on a little more. Yes, so, it was entitled The Big Empty. Now, Holden and crew fight for survival in a badly damaged shuttle. Miller uncovers clues about Judy Mao as water rationing hits Cersei Station. On Earth, the UN Deputy Undersecretary interrogates the Belter terrorist. Now, on Cersei's, Miller is investigating the theft of water because... It's now being rationed because the Canterbury did not arrive. In Julie Mao's apartment, he finds clues placing her aboard the ship that was the one that sent the distress call. And on Earth, Abasala... Yeah. <laughs> I told you, it's not easy. <laughs> yeah, it's just going to take me a couple times. Abasarala sends the suspected OPA captive to Luna after her superior... Under Secretary General Sadavar Ehrenreich disapproves of gravity torture, but the captive commits suicide and underway. Very unique type of suicide, too. Yeah. In the asteroid belt, the Canterbury shuttle is damaged by debris from the ice carrier's destruction. Using their last air, the survivors jury-rig an antenna to place a distress call, which, of course, is responded to by the Martian Navy's flagship, MCRN Donager. I love that it's called the Navy in space. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That was sweet. 
after Nagata identifies the distressed transponder aboard the Scorpolib as using Martian military technology, Holden broadcasts a message to that effect to the solar system, an insurance against being killed as inconvenient witnesses. So basically he calls out the Martians as being the ones who destroyed the Canterbury. Well, that's the evidence that they have right then. What? Do they? All they know was it was a ship that had stealth technology. Well, at that moment, they are assuming that's the evidence they have. They have the transponder, and all of a sudden, yeah, they had somebody uncloaked, blow up the Canterbury, and then disappear. And all of a sudden, the person who gets their distress call, the closest one there, was Mars Navy. So that's where, you know, all the questions start coming up. Well, Mars wants control of, you know, the ice shipping lanes. So why wouldn't they do something like this? And they kind of... How do I say this? (laughs) They don't exactly come off as the nicest group of people. Like, you know, instead of... you know, They they save them and they're like, okay, well, we're on their ship, so we'll have air because we were almost out of air. But what do they do? They, like you know, use a, a like laser saw or whatever and open up the side of their their ship. It's not even like let's just get open the door. No, we're gonna just right. make no, sure yeah. you're not going anywhere. anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's just not not looking like anything good for Mars. You know, they they're very aggressive, they're grabbing they're they're putting him in holding cells. And we don't know anything that's going to happen. Right. Yeah. So but most of the episode was more of uh, Miller's investigation and then the the crew trying to save their, uh, their backsides. <laughs> <laughs> because there are several tense moments uh, during the repairs, the... Um, the medic actually start to lose his oxygen, and they have to save him. And oh no, no, no. The... it's it's Cass Anvar's character. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's the pilot, and the medic actually saves him saves by him. doing um like buddy breathing, like you right. would with scuba diving, or not scuba necessarily, but yeah, right, scuba. yeah, yeah. Scuba. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, there were some kind of disgusting moments when he threw up in his helmet. And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> Thankfully, that's not real, but still, it's like, ugh. Um, and we do find that Aaron seems to be very, very under uh, Naomi's, I won't say control, but he sure seems like he's her minion. Oh, Amos? Amos, yeah. Yes. It took me a second. Yeah, I couldn't figure out if it was supposed to be like a romantic relationship or if he just felt beholden to her for some reason. And an interesting tidbit, which actually goes more into episode three, but the one of the writers had said that um, they made it, they wrote it this way, which in the books, I guess, is different. Like, everybody knows everybody's past. Right. But they made it so that we're learning about the crew's past at the same time that the crew is learning about each other's past. Because it's it was a better way to get a reaction from your crew. You know, it's like, you've been with these people for X amount of time. What did you really know about them? Right. And can you trust them? And that definitely... Uh, <laughs> right. And that all plays into the, uh, the next couple episodes. But, yeah, we don't know what's happened between those two. I mean, did they serve together? Did something major happen? Does he just have a major crush on her? And he's like, I'm just going to totally follow her. It's it's fine. She'll just, you know, maybe she'll love me. I don't know. And it's really yeah, hard. Um, That's a question that we definitely want to get answered because mm-hmm. it just doesn't add up right now. <laughs> no. And hopefully, yeah, hopefully we will get more on those those two and their their relationship. Right. And, like, you know, Holden was basically on the Canterbury. He had just been made. XO. Mm-hmm. Which he didn't want. Yeah, and he didn't want the responsibility. 
XO. Yeah, let's rewind. I didn't talk about that. He was made XO because the previous one went a little crazy. Just a little loony, yes. Because <laughs> I don't remember how long they said that they were the Canterbury was actually out. But the XO, you know, they just assume the guy's drunk and in his in his quarters. And Holden goes there, and the guy is stepping on dirt from plants. And he's just like, he, what did he say? We should have brought more green with us? Yeah. Because apparently he had been off Earth for so long, he was losing his mind. And he just couldn't handle it. And, and of course, he had a weapon, which is always fun when you have a crazy person dancing in dirt and, you know, holding a gun. On a spaceship. Yeah. Not a good combination. <laughs> Not a good combination. Right. Uh, it's like, how well are these walls sealed is what you wonder. Oh, my gosh. Yes. There's, I, I really like this just from the go because I felt like it was really a return to the roots, like we said, with sci-fi. And this was something, I mean, right away, we're in space. You have a feel of kind of Star Trek-esque, but not, you know, 100% there. Because you still feel like, okay, what we, we've seen, everything's not perfect. Where right. In, yeah. it, you know, it's in not Star so Trek, far in the future that you can't identify with this, these people and right. what each of the groups seem to be going through. Right. So I, that's why I'm really liking this so far. Two thumbs up for me. Oh, same here. <laughs> same here. I am totally enjoying this series and where it's going to take us. Cause you know, even after the epi- second episode, we really don't know a whole lot more. I mean, we see the, the crew trying to, survive but there's really not an established leader because Holden and Naomi kind of butt heads on you know who should be in charge Mm -hmm. and we see Miller starting to dig into finding Mal and so we find out that he's actually is a belter he was born out in space it's kind of interesting that we start learning and you start hearing different accents because mm-hmm. you have people from Earth, people from Mars, Belters, and just listening to them. I mean, I think they made it really well distinguished, like how they all have a, a different accent. I mean, Earth obviously has tons of accents, which they left alone. Mars has, it's not so much an accent, it feels like, a specific way of talking where it's kind of more formal. Right. And then the Belters have a really, I can't even explain, almost Cajun-like accent. <laughs> and well. they have their own language that they'll talk to. And some of it is like hand gestures and everything. So it's just really, I don't know. I, I love how they're separating it. And they're they're discussing, like I said, you had people with, like, long bones who were born out in space. And then they were showing Miller has, what was it, the top of his spine, like a couple yes. bones. Because it didn't, like, fuse right or something being mm-hmm. born out there. I think so. It's just, uh, it's, oh, I sound like an idiot. But it's just amazing the way they, they really show the differences. Sorry, my heat just kicked on. <laughs> the differences in... um the geography, basically, and right, and, the and you, you almost have three different class systems as well. You know, you've got mm-hmm. the people on Earth who seem to be very well off, and of course, the super rich live on the moon. Is that what that was? I did not realize that. I think so. See, I At thought it was almost parents live on on the moon, and oh. they're super rich. So I'm assuming that the the elite of the elite live on the moon. Okay. Then you've got the people from Mars, which is a more military-type society. Even, you know, they're trying to turn Mars into Earth 2. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got that that long-term goal of making Mars, you know, a second Earth, but... Their their military is their strength. 
Right. And it seems like everybody serves. That's what I was getting so far, that everybody right. at some point serves uh-huh. Yeah, in the military. And then you've got the belters who basically are the outcasts that have to do all the manual labor of out Mining. in deep space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which we learn a little bit more in coming episodes. And how, I guess, the the UN, which I'm a little confused if the UN is strictly Earth, or is it supposed to be, you know, because obviously right now we know what the UN is. But I mean, right. does it also include then Luna and their population? I'm assuming which is under Earth control. Does it have anyone from Mars or the Belters? Well, I'm pretty sure that, well, yeah, in... In the next episode, we we see the Mars representative to the UN. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. I had a moment. No, wait. <laughs> no, isn't he the, the UN rep to the Mars? Any representation. Yeah, they seem to just really be like, the slaves. Yeah. So there's more to come, but I don't want to give away. So we're just going to do the two episodes now. Yes. And. Dig through them. If, if you aren't completely sold, give them give them two more episodes. I can just about guarantee you by the end of episode four, you will be all in. Really? I didn't even think it would take that long. I really no, don't. I had several friends that had mentioned that, yeah, they didn't really completely get into it until episode four. Hmm. I've been, you know, with the premiere, I've said, oh. (laughs) Yeah, I guess we're sci-fi geeks. I don't know. Because, yeah, I was from right away, those first couple scenes. Uh, And um, maybe head over to YouTube to Fangirl Zone and check out the interviews I did with Cass Anvar, Florence Favor, and Stephen Strait. Because they were all lovely people. Absolutely, want to check those out. And of course, we want to thank them because they are all talking to us on Twitter. The writers' room, um, Cass seems to be the most active. Dominique Tipper, she's hilarious on there. She talks all the time. Because I'm like, what the heck? 200 years in the future? Why aren't you in charge? She's like, you know, they keep trying to keep a woman down. You know, she's (laughs) great. They are, it seems to be the most fun-loving cast in regards to their responses on Twitter. Obviously, I don't know them all personally. I would love to hang out with all of them. (laughs) As much fun as the Defiance cast? Uh, You know what? So far, yeah. Yeah, they seem to really be getting into it. I sent something, um, because the one episode, they were very up close in the helmets with... um, a couple of them. So I happened to tweet to Wes Chatham. I'm like, was it weird with those really close shots with the in the helmet? And he's like, no, it just reminded me to trim my nose hair. It's like, <laughs> it's like, hmm, honesty, not always the best policy. <laughs> you know, they just seem to be having fun and answering people and really getting into this. And... I feel personally that when when they take that much interest and you have that many of the cast tweeting, live tweeting, that I think they really are enjoying what they're doing. Right. And, and, and it adds to the fans' enjoyment of the yes. show because they're getting a lot of interaction. Yes. And then you have the whole, which I have not done because if I can't tweet, there's no way I can look at the computer screen and do this. Uh, right. Sci-fi has... Uh, almost like the story sync. Right. And you can go into it and you can explore the ships and everything too. So, I mean, they are so into this. Like sci-fi. They went all in (laughs) in supporting this effort in this show. And I'm I'm happy that they did it because it really shows. Okay. Before I get all excited and start talking about the next episode, <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to say about these first two episodes or about sci-fi and our new sci-fi talk? 
Oh, I'm just glad to be doing a podcast with you again. <laughs> I've missed you for the last uh, few months. <laughs> I know. We've been talking. And it's funny because that's what we were talking about before. It's all sci-fi. Apparently, Steve and I, like I said, are sci-fi geeks. Yes, we are. I'm proud of it. And if only we could talk <laughs> Warehouse 13 more. Well, yes. Well, I might still revive that. You never know. Um, <laughs> so, all right, Steve, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you, other than, of course, here at Fangirl Zone. All right. I do a Sleepy Hollow podcast on Golden Spiral Media called Witness Prophecies, a Sleepy Hollow podcast. I do a Doctor Who podcast called The Pod Doctors. Oh, really? Do you? Sean is uh, <laughs> on as well, at least a few episodes this season. Yes, I miss some. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, uh, scheduling uh, changed some this uh, this season and kind of made it a little more difficult for everybody to get together. <laughs> and I'm also doing The C Word and Orphan Black podcast. Steve is a busy, busy man. <laughs> and as always you can find me on fangirlzone.com um, fangirlzone on Facebook and I do a couple other podcasts like Steve said um, over mostly fangirlzone uh, hollow9 that's h-o-l-l-o-w the number 9 i-n-e uh, let me see um, basically the what am I watching <laughs> which we talk about Movies and some are good, some are bad, and that's why we're like, what am I watching? Um, I'm over on Nerd Element too with their Orphan Black podcast that I always screw up the name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm horrible at that one because it's the number. Yeah, that one is a little tough. You got to yeah. remember Kasima's. Uh, yeah, I don't do well. ID. Math is hard. Um, sorry, ongoing joke. Um, that's it. I pop in, but like I said, check out fangirlzone.com. Go over to YouTube. Check out our interviews with the cast of The Expanse. Check out the interviews with the Shinar Chronicles people. Because we might be talking about that, you know, books and all. Absolutely. <laughs> and check out Hollow Nine, as that is going to be the network where most of Sean and I's stuff will end up. Yes. We have stuff everywhere. We like to spread it out there. We just pepper it everywhere so you can find us. That's right. All right. And if you enjoyed your time here with Steve and I and would like to shoot us an email, because we, of course, like talking to everybody and we just want to know your thoughts on the show, uh, you can shoot an email to fangirlzonepodcast at gmail.com. And like I said, check us out online. If you want to shoot us a, a message through the Facebook page, through any of the links that we have up on the website please do and can't wait to have you guys all back again and we will be talking Expanse and very soon Magicians and I believe we're going to throw some childhood and childhood's end I keep screwing that one up in here too I just want to switch it and so for Steve and I then we would like to say goodbye and until next time stay geek